violent rhythm. I should be in charge, Demid, not that Spren. You are in charge. Then why haven't we been told anything? Our gods have returned, yet we've barely seen them. We sacrificed greatly for these forms, and to create the glorious true storm, we... We lost how many? Sometimes she thought about that, in strange moments when the new rhythms seemed to retreat. All her work, meeting with Ulam in secret, guiding her people towards storm form. It had been about saving her people, hadn't it? Yet, of the tens of thousands of listeners who had fought to summon the storms, only a fraction remained. Heroes of presents The Storm Pod, a Stormlight Archive podcast. Book three, Oathbringer. This is just a quick spoiler warning for interludes I1, I2, I3. I hope that you went back and checked all your your reading and that you've picked the right episode. Sorry. I really apologize for that one. I think I've done it in past seasons, but you know, sometimes you got to recycle old, uh, old material. Um, I, I make sure that you've picked the right episode and that you have, uh, are all caught up on your reading because we wouldn't want you to get spoiled, but we would want you to. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Sean Q, and he's like walking around picking up pieces of wood for no fucking reason. It's Julie. <laughs> I mean, Jack. Ju- Julie. Yeah, because it's Pooley. It's Pooley. Isn't it Pooley? Like, like Julie, like, but Pooley? Sure. Yeah. It's, uh, the name Pooley is a little bit PETA to me. It's like the PETA from, huh? uh, uh, Hunger Games. Oh, I don't like, know. Like instead Hunger of naming Games. him Peter, <laughs> she named him Peter. <laughs> it's like someone said I, Peter with an accent. It's it's lost on me, bro. Sorry. I don't know anything about about uh, Hunger Games. About Hunger Games, no. It's unfortunate that I know everything about Hunger Games. <laughs> you know too much. We since the pandemic started, <clears throat> we've yeah. fallen asleep to one of the four movies. Yeah. For what? Uh, three years now straight every night because that's really? like my my wife started doing it and then I was it's only on for like six minutes or something right before I, I pass and you out you fall asleep to the Hunger Games yeah so I've watched every <laughs> single movie in like six to ten minute increments over the last three years I got some I got some favorites I, I, I might uh, I might pot about it someday these interludes um, yeah they're crazy right for me it's strange for me. Yeah, I know you. You had so much hope, bro. Oh my god! You were like, kept saying this whole book. You're like, I hope Eshenai come becomes part of the band. She, I want her to. You know what I mean? Like, I want. I can't wait to get Eshenai back. And I kept going. You know, she did get into a fight with Adolin on a plateau, and she literally fell off a <laughs> plateau. Yeah, but she fell off in plate. Right in plate. That's true. 
but this is just confirmation. And it, wasn't nece- it wasn't described as a mortal wound. No, and he never he never went there, right? Because it wasn't <clears throat> it wasn't Eshenai's no. POV, so we didn't know, right? Until we got well, and Bentley's maybe POV. as he was writing it, he wasn't sure what to do with Eshenai. Yeah, that's very possible too. Maybe he hadn't decided until he started writing um, Oathbringer. You're right; that's possible too. So, yeah, I don't know. I just I really liked dreaming about Eshenai. And I shouldn't do this. I was mentioning this to, uh, to Buzzkill Joe last night, um, that I shouldn't do this where I dream up all of these things and get attached. Scenarios that you've kind of, oh, and yeah. then they'll go for tea and. Well, no, it's just that, you know, with Esh and I, I just saw such potential yeah, like, for sure. as, as a, because she was hesitant about the form. Mm-hmm. She wanted to take it on herself because she was unsure about Venley. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like Venley was sort of um, expressing, um, I don't know, like a power hungry eagerness or whatever components, yeah, yeah to her character. Character. So Esh and I had sort of seen that and said, no, 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 I'll take this on mm-hmm. and see if it's good for us, right? You know, and I really like that quality. And remember, we we also came up with that, or maybe it was me that came up with it. The idea that she had kind of sent the others away as a way of protecting. Yeah, I I wasn't. I when we recorded that that part and we covered that part, I did not have that opinion until we talked about it, and then you converted me to you know what? There's a small part of her that let Thud and those others get away. Right. She wasn't fully. There's there's something about her that allowed her to be able to still care about those people and not force them all to turn into storm form. We get a little bit of remorse here, I think, from Venli um, in, her, in her interlude. We'll get to it when we get there, but um, she de- definitely shows yes. a little bit. There's a little part of her, kind of like Eshenai, there was a little part of her that was not fully committed to this or right. not really sure if this was the right thing to do, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it is present now. Right. It wasn't then. Right. Which is why I put so much into Eshenai. Right. Uh, in terms of my dreams and my, my hopes, but there still remains a small, tiny bit of hope on my end. And, and, and we can talk about it. It is in the the title of that, of that, um, interlude rhythm of the lost. Yes. So rhythm of the lost is that, is that a voice? Is that a connection? Is that a way for the listeners to continue connecting with their with their lost. Well, the, um, I think that's exactly what it is, but I don't think it means, I think it's more in a spiritual, um, right. remembering those who have fallen type of way. Yeah. Then sure. there is a actual communication <clears throat> with the ancestors and people who have died. I think it's like more of like a, um, like day yeah. of the dead type of scenario where they, they attune themselves to this rhythm of the lost to be able to grieve for those that they've lost. I took you know it as, I mean? as, as a grieving initially for sure. But again, I did my extrapolation yeah. hope thing and, and I thought, well, okay, maybe it goes beyond just a, a, a song about grieve about, um, about being sad, right? About uh, the loss of a loved one, and maybe it extended into communication or, right, you know, something like that, where Esh and I could continue advising Venley or there, speaking to Venley. Their songs, like the, the the listeners' songs, definitely is a form of communication. It is like a handed da- passed down. Um, what do you call that again? A um, 
like a way of keeping records verbally through song. There, what's that? What's oh, the, term? the oral tradition. Yeah, the, it's an oral tradition amongst the listeners. And so it is a way that the ancestors are speaking to, like the lost are speaking to them by, you know, these songs that were written back then. But I think mm-hmm. it's more of like a spiritual um, way yeah. to grieve than it is a mystical connection between um, dead and living kind of thing. Right. But I also just want to mention that the rhythm is going to get you if you don't, you're not careful. Um, it, yeah, it, it's, it's a soul companion is, uh, right. It also, um, sometimes can create a whole nation, like a rhythm well, nation. I, I, yeah. There could be a rhythm nation, but also you could feel it in the air. Cause rhythm, <laughs> rhythm, rhythm occasionally tends to be a dancer. Right. Like, like rhythm. <laughs> oh my god this went way farther than i thought it was gonna go thank you rhythm 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 can be a dancer and a, and a soul companion yeah it's yeah that's hilarious and uh, occasionally you can feel it in the air and yeah. you can yes absolutely yeah and if you feel yeah. it in the air then you want to start a nation all right um enough of this <laughs> let's start off with uh, let's do this yeah let's start off with uh <laughs> with uh interlude one here um this is Pooley. um we have a nice uh, image here of the of the swords crisscrossed. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if this differs from other other um, depictions of things like that. It may may be unique in that department. This symbol always looks like this. Oh, does it? Okay. Yeah. There seems to be one dominant sword in it, doesn't there? Yeah, for sure. It's like a it's Which, like a mommy or daddy sword, and then the, the other ones are just little yeah. da, little. Is that swords. is that Oathbringer? It's um, it's no, <coughs> it's not. It's not okay. You're telling you're just giving that one to me. Oathbringer okay. is hooked. Remember, it has a hook on the end of it. Oh yeah, true enough. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I I wouldn't expect that kind of detail to be in a symbol, but Pooley, the lighthouse keeper, tried not to let everyone know how excited he was for the new storm. <laughs> it's it's probably my highlight. Is that he's excited, is that he can't contain, he's like, oh, it's so, just so tragic. It's so sad. But, oh but my inside. God, yeah, I love he's it. He's like, more, more for my cart. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh my God, I love this. Um, it's a truly, tra- truly tragic, he says. It was truly tragic. He told Saken that as she wept, she had thought herself quite high and blessed when she'd landed her new husband. She'd moved into the man's fine stone hut in a prime spot for growing a garden behind the northern cliffs of the town, Pooley gathered scraps of wood blown eastward by the strange storm and piled them into his little cart. He pulled it with his two hands, leaving Saken to weep for her husband. Up to three now, she was all lost at sea. Truly tragic. Still, he was excited for the storm. Right. <laughs> That's my highlight, is that, you know, it keeps looking at all this devastation, people crying, this, yeah. you know, and, well... It's tragic, but... But something exciting and new is happening, so... Yeah. <clears throat> right. Well, this is the whole... I, I, I do like this. Uh, there's an element of this in a movie that I, I've always uh, th- uh, thought about um, uh, in, in The Fifth Element. Right. When, when Zerg, you know, he's trying to sort of get across to the priest the idea about chaos is wonderful because there's, there's all kinds of busy things happening now. Right. Like he, he, he pushes a glass over the, over the table's edge and it, and it smashes and all these little robots and things come out to clean it up and everything. So Pooley is par- part of this process. Right. He's one of the little cleaner uppers. 
Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of his his interlude, his perspective of right. of the storm, right? It's yeah. I, I try to always figure out what was the point of each interlude. Because there's a point to it. He's not writing it just for fun. There's something I feel for me. There's like a, there's a reason yeah. why each interlude exists, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, let's let's go through it. I'll I'll give you what I think it is <clears throat> at the end. Like okay. why I think Pooley is important. Okay. Um, he pulled his cart past other broken homes. I paused there as well when I read it the first time because they're all broken, right? Right. Right. Where they should have been sheltered west of the cliffs, right? They should have been sheltered, but the storm came in from another this way. This is the Everstorm right? he's talking about, the new so, one. So, yeah. right. So Puli's grandfather had been able to remember when those cliffs, they hadn't been there. Right. So that's really fascinating. Kelak himself had broken apart the land in the middle of a storm, making a new prime spot for homes. The, I, Kelak I, being I, one of the... I don't think that uh, Pooley's grandfather actually remembers when the cliffs weren't there. Right. I think it's just a story his <laughs> grandfather told him. You think so? Oh, for sure. He would have actually had to have the whole ground crack open. And he's like, the Kellick himself broke apart the land, creating that mm-hmm. cliff, right? In the middle of right. a storm, making a new prime spot for homes. This is, these are all tales, right? These are all, yeah. like, this is all just myth of the, this, this area. <clears throat> but aren't we finding out that some of these myths and stories are actually real? That's that true too. The point? That is true too. Where would the rich people put their houses now? He asks, or he thinks. And they did have rich people here in town. Never mind what the travelers on the ocean said. Those would stop at his little, uh, at this little port on the crumbling eastern edge of Rushar and shelter from storms in their cove alongside the cliffs. So I guess it, this little area attracted rich people traveling yeah maybe what they mean is that i don't want to belabor this point though but maybe what they mean is that because the high storm came it created this new cliff and they're right. saying collected it and the grandfather's like i remember whenever those those houses were there i don't know I, right. I, it's a little confusing to me I, I find i think i think what he's saying what what they're saying here too is that you know now that there were these areas that could that could have these shelters from storms, mm-hmm. it attracted it attracted some rich people to the town. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because there's like there's not a lot of spaces that are made to survive these storms. Right, right, right. And those become you know new well, prime realty sought out sought out property. Yeah, right. Pooley pulled his cart past the cove, and here one of the foreigner captains with long eyebrows and tan skin. Is this our, is this our uh, captain back, you think? Um, hmm. Long you eyebrows? Think, oh, you th- oh, well, the long eyebrows is, uh, they're Thalen, right? Thalen, right? Yeah, so you think this is like one of the Wind's Pleasures? Like this is some, one of the guys from the Wind's Pleasure? He, right. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It, do we even they really know where into it? I was is? just wondering. I think Pooley is like... From Natan, right? Yeah, he's from Natanatan. Uh, from New Natan. Yeah. So on the coast. So it would be like, I'm actually using a map here that I have in my recording space to show Jack. <laughs> yeah, um, I can see it. So they went off, the wind's pleasure went off here. Yeah. Right? And 
New Natanatan is over here. So it's not that far away that maybe right. they made their way there somehow. <clears throat> could be. Yeah, it could be. Long eyebrows, tan skin, rather than the proper blue skin. Hmm. Was trying to make sense of her ruined ship. It had been rocked in the cove, struck by lightning, then smashed back against the stones. Now only the mast was visible. Truly tragic, Pooley said. He complimented the captain, though, on the mast. It was a very nice mast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, like that. I like that, too. I don't know if he's just, you know, comp- you know finding that which is still intact in the... In this, in the remnants of the storm, in the wake of the storm, yeah. just to say, well, you know, it's a nice mast. He's like <laughs> looking on the bright side of everything right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah basically, yeah. He's maintaining his excitement for this day, <laughs> right? As he pulls his cart around. Oh, gee, well, that's that's, that's the a mast, mast seems to be in good in good shape. <laughs> yeah. Pooley picked up a few planks from the broken ship that had washed onto the shore of the cove, and then threw them into his cart. Even if it had destroyed many a ship, Pooley was happy for this new storm. Secretly happy. Right. The, um, it's funny, the, uh, the, the interludes are always the names of the characters. Mm-hmm. And other, th- other than when Zeth, Eshenai, and now mm. Venli are the POV characters of the interludes, is there an actual proper title? But the other right. two interludes are, are the, uh, any other characters is their name. Like the lift one was called yeah. lift. Right. You know what I mean? So it only works yeah. out if it's Zeth, Eshenai, and now Venli. So. Right. Yeah. It's interesting the way he structured it. Mm. Um, <clears throat> secretly happy. Had the time finally come that his grandfather had warned of the time of changes when the men from the hidden island of the origin at last came to reclaim, to reclaim Natanatan. Right. Yeah. I don't know. So that Maybe gives us an idea there of where, like where they are. Right. Mm-hmm. I like this here. When the men from behind, uh, from the hidden island of the origin. Right. Because remember, we, they always talk about the origin of the storm yeah, out somewhere the origin, in the... Yeah. And so this, this, this guy's saying that there is a <clears throat> hidden island out at the origin. So. I like this. Th- that's that's the, what I think... Now we're getting into I think that's DiCaprio, the, point. the beach territory. I was telling you, I think that there's a point <laughs> of, the, of the, the, the interlude, and I think that's the point, is to, yep. is to tell us about the, that there's a hidden island the out island. there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um... This new storm brought him so much wood, scraps of rock buds, branches, and trees, and he gathered it all eagerly, piling his cart high. <laughs> that might be my highlight, is the bloody cart. <laughs> yeah, he's got so much wood in that thing. <laughs> I love it. Um, then pulled it past fishers in huddles, trying to decide how they'd survive in a world with storms from both directions. Fishers didn't sleep away the weeping like lazy farmers. They worked it, for there were no winds. Lots of bailing, but no winds, until now. A tragedy, he told Olam, while helping him clear the refuse of his barn. Many of the boards ended up in Pooley's cart. <laughs> A tragedy, he agreed with Hamadak as he watched her children so she could run a broth to her sister, who was sick with the fever. A tragedy, he told the drummer brothers, as he helped them pull a tattered sail from the surf and stretch it out across the rocks. 
So he's going around I, helping all yeah. these people, but he's also yeah. like taking stuff for himself. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. I know. He's very, e- this is, he's excited. He's secretly excited. Yeah. It's such a tragedy. All these hor- people are having a horrible time. Horrible time. And, but I, but I do like that we, that we get the names of, uh, of those three examples. Mm-hmm. At last, Pooley finished his rounds and pulled his little cart up the long twisting road toward Defiance. Well, that was his name for the lighthouse. Nobody else called it that, because to them, it was just the lighthouse. At the top, he left out an offering of fruit for Kelek, the herald who lived in the storm. Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. Lived in the storm. Well, we know that's not true, that, right? No, but I like that he thinks it's right. that he, that's where Kelek is. Mm-hmm. It's because Kelek, I don't know why Kelek. I would say Yezrian, because Yezrian's known as the one who is the patron of the Windrunners, and they, mm. you know what I mean, like fly around in the sky. So yeah, it's interesting, Kelek. Defiance wasn't a tall lighthouse. He'd seen paintings of the sleek, fashionable ones down along long brows, straits, lighthouses for rich folks who sailed ships that didn't catch fish. Defiance was only two stories tall and built squat like a bunker, but she had good stonework, and a buffer of creme on the outside kept her from leaking. She'd stood for over a hundred years, and Kelleck hadn't decided to knock her down. The storm father knew how important she was. Pooley carried a load of wet stormwood and broken boards up to the top of the lighthouse where he set them out beside the fire, which burned low during the day to dry. He dusted off his hands and then stepped up to the rim of the lighthouse. At night, the mirrors would shine the light right out through, the, through this hole. He looked over the cliffs to the east. His family was a lot like the lighthouse themselves. Squat short but powerful and enduring mm-hmm. so are we getting Pooley as like when he says that they're squat short his people are squat short and powerful mm-hmm. and he said something earlier about them having <clears throat> blue skin right blue skin yeah right so are we to take this as a different people like kind kind of just like the amian are and the Irali are and mm-hmm. you know her have that like you know weird stone like quality to their fingernails like there's right. you know there's a lot of different types of of uh i say humans but they're like like you know of mortals humanoids, living on this yeah. yeah humanoids living on this yeah. planet and the natans are like this, we've met a Natan before in right. the, one of the the uh, last books when they were dressed all in a different. Uh, and Dalinar was trying to like negotiate with them, um, blue skin. So, and we also have um, Axie's the collector who also has like light blue skin. So, right, yeah. So there's, I'm just wondering because there's you know there's you know defiant two stories tall. Right. It's, it seems like a very dwarven D&D, type. Very much like a dwarf, yeah. uh, dwarven character yeah. in, in D&D type I, thing. I would, I would say that. But that's it might a, not be that. It could be, it could be just, you know. They just uh, could be just people, little, like shorter, just a little bit shorter than the average yeah. Rosharian right. humanoid. Right. Yeah. Could, could just be that. Mm-hmm. Uh, could be halfling size without the furry feet. Right. Like, I don't think so that they're it's, that it's small. I don't think that they're that small because that would have been right. a glaring description when we met someone from Natin yeah. previously. That would have been the first yeah. thing that we would have noticed about that character. Yeah, because they'd be three feet tall mm-hmm. or something. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and the last paragraph here, they'll come with light in their pockets, grandfather had said. They'll come to destroy. 
but you should watch for them anyway, because they'll come from the origin. The sailors lost on an infinite sea. You keep that fire high at night, purely. You burn it bright until the day they come. They'll arrive when the night is darkest. Surely that was now with the new storm. Darkest nights, a tragedy and a sign. So he's been like, waiting, you know, their family has been waiting for, it feels like for me that they've been waiting for this story <gasps> to come true of these people from this island out in the origin and that their job is to keep the lighthouse lit for them to find the mainland. Well, right. you, you just got a goosebump uh, uh, sign I here. did. What's I just on? got a goosebump because <clears throat> you're right. Um, so his grandfather is speaking to him, saying that there's going to be these uh, these people. These uh, how was it described? These uh, uh, those with light in their pockets. Right. They'll come. They'll come to destroy. Now they'll come to destroy. It may not be bad. Mm -hmm. These individuals coming from the origin might be coming to help out. Uh, with uh, this, the, the situation in the darkest of nights. Right, that's very possible. So the, the, the people coming from the island, from the lost, from this hidden island in mm -hmm. the origin, I think is benevolent. It's true. Um, so keep the light burning because that will indicate where they're needed. Right. Or where they, or where they should come. Right. So that's right? What, that explains... So what, what, so what I got the goosebumps from was, as I was first reading this... Mm -hmm. Puli seemed like just a scavenger to me. Right. As I first read it. Okay. He's going around very excited. Yeah. And I was, you know, drawing the conclusion to always oh, cleaning up, but he's also benefiting, right? right? He's taking this, he's taking that. But mostly he's just taking wood. If not exclusively, like what did he take from everybody? Like wood a little earlier? To keep the fire going. Right. So, so my initial impression of him was, mm -hmm. well, okay, you're taking whatever. It seemed like you're, it, it sort of seemed in the language that you're taking whatever you want. Yeah, exactly. Maybe I just extrapolated that unnecessarily. But now I'm delighted to get to the end of this interlude, you know, covering it with you to just kind of know that, you know what? No, 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 bro. He's, he's, he's keeping this, this light. Right, because this, this myth, this story that he's been told his whole yeah. life might start coming true. And his job is to keep that light on, like his grandfather yeah, said, because those it. from beyond the origin, from that island, and maybe the island, you know, his f grandfather says, I remember when... Um, that yeah, before it was a cliff, it, the um, cliffs, yeah. though there was a, like, there was a land there. So maybe this mysterious island out in the origin is that landmass that broke off from Natten that his grandfather says he remembers. Does that make sense? Could it's be. part of the lore, part of the myth or whatever. And so this Everstorm hitting yeah, is starting the darkest of times, which is the sign that the, that, that the lighthouse is going to be needed. Defiance is finally going to be needed to yeah. bring those people from beyond the storm over. It's a really yeah. cool little myth kind of smushed into it. this like weird little um, interlude. It's really cool. Yeah. Hi I mean, highlight I think is the, is that it's his mission. Yeah, it's, it's him keeping the, the, the lighthouse going this, and also the island, you know, this, this idea of the hidden island. Yeah. I like that. That's my highlight is the hidden island. I think that's really mm -hmm. cool. Well, interlude number two, interlude two is called Elista. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we get a place here. The Yokasha or Jokasha monastery was ordinar ordinarily a very quiet place. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Nestled in the forests on the western slopes of the Horn Eater Peaks. So this is cool to yeah. have a little little uh, uh, in that interlude in, here. Yeah, in yeah. that little region. Mm-hmm. The monastery felt only rain at the passing of a high storm. Furious rain, yes, but none of the terrible violence known in most parts of the world. Because what? Because they're so high. I guess so. Yeah. Right? And they're because of the, just suffering. the way that they're, yeah, the way that they're nestled the, in the west, they're on the western slopes. Right. Right? So they're always protected by the, the high storms because the high storms always come right. from the east. Alista reminded herself every passing storm how lucky she was. Some Ardens had fought half their lives to be transferred to Yokasha, away from politics and storms and other annoyances. At Yokasha, you could simply think, well, usually, are you looking at these numbers? Are your eyes disconnected from your brain? We can't judge yet. Three instances are not enough. Two data points to make a coincidence, three to make a, uh, a sequence. The Everstorm travels at a consistent speed, unlike the High Storm. You can't possibly say that. One of your data points, so highly touted, is from the original passing of the storm, which happened as an uncommon event. Elista slammed her book closed and stuffed it into her satchel. She burst from her reading nook and gave a glare to the two ardents arguing in the hall outside, both wearing the caps of master scholars. They were so involved in their shouting match that they didn't even respond to the glare Though it had been one of her best. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. So I love that this interlude is her trying to get some peace and quiet in yeah. a place that's supposed to be about peace and quiet. Right. And she's trying, and, and it's makes and you, you think that she's trying to do some serious scholarly work, but she's trying, she's reading a smut romance. She's reading a smut. Yeah, I know. <laughs> right. I know. It's amazing. It's I awesome. love it. Yeah, it's so great. Um, but I, I also think that we're also to take from this that, you know, there have been changes throughout the world. Yeah, everyone's so affected. Even a, so even a place like Yokasha Monastery, it's being affected. You've got two ardents arguing about the consistency, about the consistent speed of the Everstorm. Right. So it's having an effect even in peaceful places. Right, of course. Yeah, it's it's great. It's a, it's a, it's a nice little... Um, and I like the... Um, I like this little argument, this quick little argument between these two. Uh, um, mm-hmm. And I like how he says, you know, your first data point, your, the first thing that you're using is the original storm. And you can't really use that because no. it's an uncommon event. It, it happened. Right. And you can't use that one as part of your proof. So you'll right. have to wait till a third passing of. So that's telling us that the, the, the Everstorm has passed three times now at Yokasha. Right? Right. The first time it was created and then two subsequent times. So it's giving us a little bit of a time frame too on how like, you know, how long this has been going on for these people, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so Alista, she bustles from the library, entering a long hallway with sides open to the elements, peaceful trees, a quiet brook, humid air and mossy vines that popped and stretched as they lay out for the evening. Well, yes, a large swath of trees out, he- out there had been flattened by the new storm, but that was no reason for everyone to get upset. The rest of the world could worry. Here, at the central home of the Devotery of the Mind, she was supposed to be able to just read. Ah, uh-huh. so the Devotery of the Mind. Right. Because yeah, so we get that. We've, we've heard some of these terms before from Yasna that the, mm. um, like the Ardentia is broken up into different schools of thought. Devoteries, kind of yeah. yeah. 
Okay, set. she set her things, but at a reading desk near an open window. The humidity wasn't good for books, but weak storms went hand in hand with fecundity. You simply had to accept that. Hopefully, those new fabrials to draw water from the air would... Okay, so there's a little, little interruption here, but yeah. new fabrials to draw the air. Does that indicate technology from Navani? That's, that was my first uh, I, I, I think that it more than likely comes from Navani's scholars. Like, remember, she's the, like, the patron of yeah. a group of scholars who are doing fabrial science. And yeah. I wouldn't be surprised Engineer. if this, yeah, it comes from her engineers. I do like, though, that um, they have a, a moisture farm. This is another little... <laughs> moisture farm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what that is, yeah. Um, are the Horn Eater Peaks connected right now to Urethiru? Um, is, is there an oath gate at the Horn Eater no, Peaks? No, but they are awfully uh, close to there. Okay. The Horn Eater Peaks are close to Urethiru? Oh, no, you're, not, you're right. They're not. Because the, um, the um, Horn Eater Peaks are in Yakaved. Right. In between Alethkar and Yakaved. Right. And Urethiru is kind of on the other side of Yakaved in those ma- that mountain cluster right before you right. get to like Azir and um, right. Imul and Marat and all those like uh, Makabaki nations. So, right, right. So yeah, they're not they're not really connected at all. Hmm. Okay. Um so she gets interrupted here in her thought. Hopefully those new fabrials would draw water. I'm telling you, we're gonna have to move. A new voice echoed through the hallway. Look, the storm is going to ravage those woods. Before long, this slope will be barren, and the storm will be hitting us full force. The new storm doesn't have this that strong a wind factor, Batam. It's not going to blow down the trees. Have you looked at my measurements? I've disputed those measurements, but... Alista rubbed her temples. She wore her head shaved, like the other Ardens. Her parents joked that she'd just... that she'd join the Ardentia simply because she hated bothering with her hair. <laughs> That's funny. It's really funny. It, it, it Indicative that she's like a practical kind of a person. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't want to be bothered with my hair, so I'm just going to take it off. It's like she just, she made her, <laughs> her, um, her career choice according to her hair. Like what yeah. job could I get where, where it doesn't require hair, where I don't need to care about my hair. <laughs> Love it. She tried earplugs, but could hear the arguing, um, through them. So she packed up her things again. So she's off again because, you know, again, the storm. Mm-hmm has caused this in a peaceful place. Right, exactly. Right? In the monastery. Maybe the low building, she, she thought to herself. She took the long set of steps outside, traveling down the slope along a forested path. It really sounds beautiful here, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it sounds amazing. You know, it's got the babbling brook nearby, mm-hmm. the trees, everything's peaceful. Yeah. Um, except for all these ardents arguing. Um... Before arriving at the monastery for the first time, she'd had illusions about what it would be like to live among scholars. No bickering, no politicking. She hadn't found that to be true. But generally, people left her alone, and so she was lucky to be here. She told herself that again as she entered the lower building. It was basically a zoo. (laughs) Dozens of people gathering information from span reads, talking to one another, buzzing with talk of this or that, high prince or king... She stopped in a doorway, took it all in for a moment, and then turned on her heel and stalked back out. So the, this lower area that she went to, no go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's great. This yeah, little it's, it's frustrating, is really for cute. sure. Now what, she thinks. Oh, 
So she starts back up the steps, but slowed. It's probably, it's probably the only route to peace, she thought, looking out into the forest. Trying not to think about the dirt and the Kremlings and the fact that something might drip on her head. That's my favorite bit that she's afraid of. She doesn't want anything dripping on her. Yeah. It has nothing to do with well, ruining her hair, though. Well, maybe if you had kept your hair, maybe, you might not maybe, feel it as yeah. much. Yeah. You're the one that got rid of the buffer. Yeah, no wonder it's so annoying. Um, she strode off into the forest. She didn't want to go too far, as she knew what might be out there, what might be out here. She chose a stump without too much moss on it and settled <laughs> without too much moss. I don't, I don't want to get too dirty. Yeah, yeah here. it's like, uh, oh, there's one that has a medium amount of moss over here. Let's sit yeah. on that one. <laughs> 30% moss? Okay, I'm good. <laughs> I can deal with 30% I'm good moss. with that. Yeah, that's a good ratio. Yeah. Um, settled down amongst, uh, sorry, among bobbing life spren. Okay, a little, little spren appearance here, which yeah. is nice. Yeah, it's nice. Um, book across her lap. Okay, well, hey, we get the book. Mm-hmm. She could still hear Ardens arguing, but they were distant. She opened her book, intent on finally getting something done today. And man, I really thought what she's reading, I thought, okay, wow. Gotta be super she, important, right? Like, well, what if she's reading Oathbringer? Right. Oh, I, that's cool. That, why, that would have why, been really cool. Why wouldn't I think that as a first time reader? Right. Of course. Why, why, of course. So I thought, okay, maybe we're going to get text from the, from Oathbringer. Finally. Finally, and then, and then that's what I thought, and then of course I get. Rima spun away from Bright Lord Sterling's forward advances, tucking her safe hand to her breast, and lowering her gaze from his comely locks. Such affection as to excite the unsavory mind could surely not satisfy her for an extended period, as though his attention had at one time been fanciful delights to entertain her leisure hours. They now seemed to manifest his utmost impudence and greatest faults of character. <laughs> You're like, what the fuck is this? I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> I was like, it was a bit, I was bursting out laughing. Is this like Rosharian Pride and like, Prejudice right now? Like, Yeah, what is she reading? Yeah, yeah it, it sort of struck, yeah, it seemed like uh, Austin. Um, but then I, I quickly went to romance novels, right. uh, sort of, you know, p- potential there. And, and I was, I was laughing. I'm like, okay, she's doing all this to get away to read this kind of stuff. What would the Pride and Prejudice title in Roshar be? <laughs> in Roshar be, be like Pride? Honor so and Humiliation it'd be, or something? And like, yeah, it'd be, it'd be what's valued here. Yeah. Honor for sure. Yeah. Honor and uh, <laughs> fecundity. <laughs> yeah. No, no. For, uh, honor and moss. Honor and uh, half moss. <laughs> half moss. That's funny. Um, this is this is really cute. So her her reading this stuff, I think, is great. Um, the other thing I have to say is, uh, I think I think Mr. Sanderson uh, did a really great job here, writing these little paragraphs of this book, and it sound it reads differently from the way he writes his book. He did a good job of being sexy here. Like, well, well, that, that's, that's an extra thing. Yeah. Yes, he, he did. You're he right. Did a great he, job his writing it. style shifts. His writing style shifted. Right. And that is, I think my highlight here is that, you know, as you're reading Oathbringer and you've come to know what it means to be a stormlight experience, let's say. Right. 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 So he switches gears here for these little paragraphs and gives you 
I don't know. I just thought that was really cool as a writer to I'm, be able to do I'm that. really happy that we get a little bit more sexiness in these novels. I mean, <laughs> like I said, I, these are my favorite books. I don't, you know, I'm not going to, uh, like, I've pointed out some of the sexy things that happen in these novels. And it's because it's, it's part of who I am. I like the, I like the sexiness. So, um, sexy. and the, the last time we got something really sexy was when uh, Navani was like, kind of like, you know, making some moves on Dalinar right yeah, before they yeah. got married. And it was mm-hmm. such moves that it ended up getting them married because she, he was like, okay, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> so this, this blows that shit out of the water. This is some tension <laughs> in, these, in these paragraphs. Well, and listen to her reaction to this. What? Alista exchanged, exclaimed reading. No, you silly girl. He's finally pronounced his affection for you. Don't you dare turn away now. So, so Alista is definitely... The, the the person in the movie theater that's like no rose yeah. don't go down the don't corridor. do it let, just yeah. let him climb on the door with you don't don't yeah. hog the door by yourself <laughs> it's big enough Alista is that person yeah. I love it um, so yeah she's um, I don't know she's endearing how so the text continues the text that she's reading yeah. continues on how could she accept this wanton justification of her once single minded desires. Should she not instead select the more prudent choice, as advocated by the undeviating will of her uncle? Bright Lord Vadam had an endowment of land upon the High Prince's grace and would have means to provide far beyond the satisfactions available to a simple officer, no matter how well regarded or what winds had graced his temperament, features, and gentle touch. Mm-hmm. Ooh. So she's reading about... Um, Bright Lord Vadam. She's reading about a made-up character named Bright Lord Vadam. I know, but what I find is interesting is that it's fiction based on things that exist and happen in the in this world. I don't think Vadam is an actual Bright Lord. No, no, I know, but the fact that that Vadam is a Bright Lord. Oh, right, 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 right. So it's like she's reading about fantasies that occur right. within this the alethi structure know, just, of, of the alethi high structure, like, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 it's, it's so really it's interesting like, but it's like it, it could speak to her desires right like here she is in a monastery you know what mm-hmm. the devotery of the mind you know tr- hopefully trying to rise above or enlighten yourself yeah. or like, not, not be but but yet here's this novel that she's reading that's about a woman who's courted by two bright lords and what will she do? Right. This is the right. um this is the uh team uh <laughs> Edward team whatever from Twilight. Oh, what was that guy? Edward and uh oh jeez, I don't know. See, the fact that we don't remember his name is why he didn't get picked. Sorry, bro. I didn't I did, I started that movie and I didn't get through it. Oh, I, I never I, I never watched them, but my <laughs> wife talked about them a bunch when they, when they came out in the books and stuff, yeah. so that's how I, like I know to make the, a joke. The the first soundtrack to Twilight had the editors, I think, on the soundtrack. It was a couple of good bands in there, but anyway, other yep. than that. Not for me. Yep. That's okay. Plenty for others. Um, Elista gasped. Bright Lord Vadam, you little whore. Have you forgot? <laughs> <laughs> you little... <laughs> you little whore. Yeah, you're you're not a big one. No, you're just a, just little a tiny little whore. Just a tiny little baby whore. <laughs> um, you little whore. Have you forgotten how he locked away your father? Whoa, this just, this story's getting intense. This story's getting intense. 
Uh, Wemma, bright Lord Sterling intoned, it seems I have gravely misjudged your attention. In this I find myself deposited deep within an embarrassment of folly. I shall be away to the shattered plains, and you shall not again suffer the torment of my presence. He bowed a true gentleman's bow, possessed of all power, refinement, and deference. It was a supplication beyond what even a monarch could rightly demand, and it was Wemma. <laughs> it was Wemma ascertained the true nature of Bright Lord Sterling's regard, simple yet passionate, respectful indeed. It lent great context to his earlier advance, which now appeared all at once to be a righteous division in otherwise sure armor, a window of vulnerability rather than a model of avarice. As he lifted the door's latch to forever make his exodus from her life, Wemma surged with unrivaled shame and longing, twisted together, not unlike two threads, winding in a loom to construct a grand tapestry of desire. Wait, Wemma cried, dear Sterling, wait upon my words. <laughs> it's awesome. Oh my God, Like it's right amazing. in the middle of the serious book is this like yeah. cheesy romance. It's awesome. Yeah, it's really great. Storm's right, you'd better wait, Sterling. Alista leans closer to the book, flipping the page. Oh, leans closer to the like, book. Gets know, right again, in there. Gets right in there. I mean, it's Alista reading a romance novel, but I, I still got to draw the, the line. It's 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 uh, Bastion reading The NeverEnding Story. He's yeah. really getting into She's it. She's really into the book, yeah. Decorum seemed a vain thing to her now, lost upon the sea that was her need to feel Sterling's touch. Ooh. She rushed to him and upon his arm pressed her ensleeved hand, which then, which then she lifted to caress his sturdy jaw. That, in Rosharian <laughs> terms, is fucking sexy. Whoa. Yeah. Holy shit. That's ne that's next level. It went from being a romance to little being whore. a little porny. This porn. is getting a little porny. Um it was so it was so warm out here in the forest, practically sweltering. Uh yeah, maybe not. Maybe it's because Alista, you're getting hot. Yeah, and bothered it's, because it of really, what you're really is warm out here. She's like <laughs> pulling her oh, collar like Rodney Dangerfield. Like, is it me, everybody? Or, <laughs> Maybe it's because you're reading here. about how she rushed to him yeah. and upon his arms pressed her ensleeved hand, which she then lifted to caress his sturdy jaw. Yeah. Mm. Oh. I Stur like it. <laughs> sturdy jaw. I, I mean, I'm getting hot for Bright Lord Sterling with that sturdy jaw. Come on. Sturdy jaw. Are, is this, is, are we talking sturdy like um, Gaston? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I we're think talking Gaston exactly right. level. Yeah. Gaston level sturdiness. No, but I think the Gaston character, it, you might be right because she said, have you forgotten how he locked away your father? Yeah. Because <laughs> Bright Lord Vadim might be the the beast, yeah. Right, locking away oh. her father. Right, right. Wow, we just we just took a moment here and turned it into a Disney uh, story. That's my fault. No, it's not your <laughs> fault. I went with it too. Okay, um, okay. So back to the text. So sorry. So Alista put her hand to her lips, reading with wide eyes, trembling. Would that the window through that statuesque armor could still be located, and that a similar wound within herself might be found to press against his own and offer passage deep within her soul, if only, 
Jeez, that is a sexy paragraph there. Right. Alista, a voice asks. Yep, she says, <laughs> uh, boiling upright, yep. snapping the book closed, and uh, she goes, oh, um, Ardent Irv, the young Siln Ardent was tall, gangly, and obnoxiously loud at times, except apparently when sneaking up on colleagues in the forest. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Right. It, w- when it comes to sneaking up on Alista while she's trying to read a romance novel, he's incredibly, incredibly Very quiet. Very quiet, yeah. Yeah, pass without trace, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, what was that you were studying, he asks. Uh, important works, Alista says, and then she sat on the book. Okay, that's my highlight. <laughs> Sitting on the book? She put it She put it under her bum. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Better hide this. It's just such a kid-like reaction. Yeah. I love it. I'm going to put it under the pillow. I'm going to put it under, I'm going to sit on it. Yeah, that's funny. And she says, nothing to mind yourself with. Uh, what, what is it that, that, that you want? Um, he looks down at her satchel. You were the last one to check out the transcriptions from Benthel's collected Donchant, the old versions. I just wanted to check on your progression. Donchant, right, she thinks. They've been working on that before this storm came and everyone got distracted. Old Navani Colon. Old Navani Colon? Mm-hmm. Oh, old Mother Hubbard. Yeah. She's a, a relic. She is, I guess. Apparently, amongst, amongst some I, these, uh, these youngins. I still love her. I know. Yeah. Yeah. By the end of this, I'm sure I will too. You know, what's funny, eh? Is like, you have this like sincere love for Yasna and I have a sincere love for her mother. If we were to marry those mm-hmm. characters, I'd be your daddy, bro. Dude, you're, you're my daddy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> look at us. Father <laughs> and like son. Aw. Her story. Okay. In Elfcar. Uh, well, just, I don't know, Mary Yasna. I don't think I could handle that. No, I don't think she'd I, 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 I don't like think to she'd adore her either. from, no, I'm not, no, no I'm not uh, Versatilian material. No, no, <laughs> that's definitely, that's a no, but, but at least I'm smart enough to know what to admire. This is just a and, side thing. I think that there's also a little bit of, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm, I read into it too much, but may, there's a little bit of tension between mm. Yasna and Shalon. Well, we talked Sh- about that yeah, with her returning. This is early in the uh, the series. Yeah, you know, Shalon was would run well, baths for her as her ward, and yeah, there's some. I'm sure there was some nakedness. We we've talked about this already. Let's not let's not belabor that uh, that sexy at this point. I, I'm I'm the one who's driving this conversation into a, a, a weird place, but but so maybe oh. I'm just saying maybe Yasna <clears> wouldn't <throat> be into you because maybe she's into yeah yeah that, oh hey you know what i've like i've always yeah. said my my admiration or affection for yasna it stems from her devotion to being um to her academic um right prowess if you will like mm-hmm. and so it stems from that but in addition to that she just happens to also be quite elegant beautiful right um has a sort of a i don't know i don't know what you call it um an elegance about her right that she carries with her. So I, I, I admire things like that. And, my, and mine towards Navani <clears throat> I'm just also primarily... terrified to approach someone like that. Right, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and, 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 my, and mine towards Navani is, she's a hot grandma. All right, let's keep going. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, important works, Alista says, um, then sat on the book. Yeah, I just want to, um, to talk to you about these Donchants. Right, they were working on those. Old Navani Colon in Alethkar had somehow cracked the Donchant. Her story about visions was nonsense. The Colon family was known for opaque politics, but her key was authentic and had let them slowly work through the old texts. 
Elista started digging in her satchel, and she came up with three musty codices and a sheaf of papers, the latter being the work she'd done so far. Annoyingly, Irv settled on the ground beside her stump. (laughs) (laughs) Annoyingly. So he sits down, she's like, oh my god. He's on the moss with me. Oh, jeez. So, taking the papers as she offered them, he laid his satchel across his lap and began reading. Incredible, he said. You've made more progress than I have. Everyone else is too busy worrying about that storm. Well, it is threatening to wipe out civilization. An overreaction, uh, Alista claims here. Everyone's always overreacting to every little gust of wind. Ooh. You know who that that line's written for, right? For you. Yeah, of course. Everyone's just overreacting for every little gust of wind. So anytime the wind, the word wind is in a book, you're like, oh, wind. And she's, Alistair is saying. It's it's my squirrel. (laughs) Stop overreacting (laughs) to the squirrels. Wind is my squirrel. (laughs) I just, the wind, I don't know. Remember we caught it? You're right. No, you're totally right. I'm I'm on, I'm on your side. I'm on board. I just like the fact that the book is calling you out a little bit here. (laughs) Yeah, it is. He flipped through her pages. What's this section? Uh, why take such care for where each text was found? Fixin concluded that these Donchant books had all spread from a central location, and so there's nothing to learn by where they ended up. Fixin was a bootlicker, not a scholar. Alista, <laughs> hmm. a little fiery, a little firecracker yeah. here. Uh, look, there's easy proof here that the same writing system was once used all across Roshar. I have references in Macabacum, Celitalis, Alethia, sorry, Alethala. Alethala. Alethala, sorry, I'm getting Alethala is what Alethkar was called, like, in its Silver Kingdom epoch days. Right. Not a diaspora of texts, she says, but real evidence that they wrote naturally in the Donchant. Do you suppose they all spoke the same language? Mm, hardly, she says. Yes, but Yasna Kolin's relic and monument doesn't claim everyone spoke the same language. Well, here we get relic and monument, a, a, a text that, ya- that Yasna has written. Right. Yeah. But, but Alista is not on board uh, wholly. Well, she's not, she it's not that it, she's not on board with um, that text. She, she's saying she's that he's using that text in, a, in the wrong way. Yeah, but that doesn't right. claim everyone spoke the same language, only that yeah. they wrote it. Right. It's foolish to assume that everyone used the same language across hundreds of years and dozens of nations. It makes more sense that there was a codified written language, the language of scholarship, just like you'll find many undertexts written in Alethi now. Ah, he said. And then a desolation hit? Alista nods. This in-between weird language is where people started using the Donchant script to phonetically transcribe their language. It didn't work so well. She flips a few more pages. In this scrap, we have one of the earliest emergences of the proto thalenvoran glyphic rad- radicals. And here is one showing a more intermediate Thalen form. We've always wondered what happened to the Donchant. How could people forget how to read their own language? Well, it seems clear now. By the point this happened, the language had been moribund for millennia. They weren't speaking it, and hadn't been for generations. Brilliant, Irv says. I've been translating what I can, but got stuck on the Kovad fragment. If what you've been doing here is correct, it might be because Kovad isn't the true Donchant, 
but a phonetic transcription of another ancient language. Right. Mm. Very interesting stuff. He glanced to the side and then cocked his head. Was he looking at her? Oh, no, it was just the book, which she was still sitting on. (laughs) (laughs) I love it that she's sitting on it. Oh, my God. An accountability of virtue, he grunted. Good book. You've read it? I have a fondness for Alethi epics, he said absently, flipping through her pages. She really should have uh, picked Vidam, though. Sterling was a flatterer and a cadger. Sterling is a noble and upright officer, she narrowed her eyes. Are you... And you are just trying to get a rise out of me, ardent Irv. Maybe, he flipped through her pages, studying a diagram she'd made of various Donchant grammars. I have a copy of the sequel. There's a sequel? (laughs) About her sister. (laughs) The mousy one? She is elevated to courtly attention and has to choose between a strapping naval officer, a Thalen banker, and the king's wit. Wait, there are three different men this time? Sequels always have to be bigger, he said, then offered her the stack of pages back. I'll lend it to you. Oh, you will, will you? And what is the cost for this magnanimous gesture, Bright Lord Irv? Your help translating a stubborn section of the Donchant. A particular patron of mine has a strict deadline upon its delivery. Mm-hmm. Such, a, such a cool I love that uh, of course that um, Irv has also read the book that she's trying to right. hide has a connection uh, he reads this crap as well and enjoys it and can speak about it and he's got the sequel and he's going to lend it to her as long as he helps because he's got this patron right does it feel so like so there's a lot of setup here this is really great does it feel like a little bit like these two characters are going through the like um like the initials of a love interest to you. Like after reading all this like really weird romance written in this different way, you know, she's like, is he looking at me? Oh, he's looking at the book and he just happens to know the book and he has the sequel and uh, I'll I'll lend it to you. Oh, you will, will you like, and, and what will this cost me? Well, you're going to help me translate this other yeah. thing I, I feel yeah. like it's like a more natural <clears throat> beginning of a romance than what the smut book they were reading was do you know what i mean like it i don't know i don't know maybe no, i'm reading no, into I mean, it maybe that i mean i i take what you're saying right um i didn't quite get any indication from these two characters that um that they were uh, at all interested in the other. Well, they're both interested in romance. They're both interested in romance. So that that is what I find the most interesting about these characters, about Irv and Alista, is that despite being in the monastery and the high in the in in the peaks, mm-hmm. okay, seclusion, protection from the from the storms, devotery of the mind, perchance other devotees here. You know, this is not the place to be reading this stuff, and yet. They are right, and they're into it, and they're discussing it. So I find I find that to be the real interesting connection between these these two uh, ardents, basically. Right. So there, that's really there's a couple of things I think that this this interlude is about. One, it's obviously about, like you said before, that no place is safe from the everstorms, right. and everyone's right. having to adjust to it. Um, it's also about, I think. The Don Chant specifically. Yeah. That's the, the reason mm-hmm. for it. And sure. that Navani Colin unlocked it with visions that no one seems to believe about. 
right? No one right. believes Dalinar's visions, but they but she did have a key to unlocking the Dawn Chant, which has actually helped them figure out a lot of the writing that they have. The other secret reason I think this is is because your 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 help translating a stubborn section of Dawn Chant as the payment. A particular patron of mine has a strict right. deadline upon its delivery. Right. And that particular patron is probably patron. not Navani Colin. No. Someone else. If I, if I had to guess, it's Teravangian. I think so as well. That's what yeah. I read if it I as. If I had to guess. Yeah. yeah. Without even, like, like, not even basing it on anything other than that line, my right. f- initial think thought is, yeah. it's Teravangian, right? It's Teravangian. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A yeah, very yeah. strict wants- deadline. So what do you, what, just, just because we, we, we brought it up here, it's, um, uh, what do you think the likelihood of Dalinar Colon mm-hmm. getting visions and also Navani getting visions about this Dawn chant? You she, mentioned that she, well, she's not getting visions. She's just translating oh, thought, his I, visions. Oh, okay. That's okay. Just a moment ago, I thought I thought you had said that sh- that the Don Chant came to her in visions. Oh, but no. you're right. It was it was through Dalinar. Yeah, through Dalinar. Right. Yeah, because when he's speaking okay. out loud I, I during a vision, he's up. speaking in the Don Chant. Right. And at first, they were. He was trying to say, "This is what I said when this happened," and then she would line up the words he said with the Don Chant, and then try to get a couple of words here and there that might mm-hmm. match up. But now we know the Stormfather is able to let Dalinar bring her into the vision, right? So right. she gets to That's know right. exactly what's said in the vision and right. then be able to translate it when she gets out. Right. So it's, yeah, it's, it's really, really cool. It's just showing that there's progress on this, this little thing that started in the first book is starting to yeah. grow now. More and it more is. scholars are, are translating this thing called the Don Chant, which, the Don Chant, which we yeah. don't really, I mean, it's a, it's a written language from a long time ago, but the funny I wonder th- if the Don Chant is going to play a significant role in being the unifier. I just want to, uh, the one thing I want to point out is that hmm. characters are looking for knowledge. And as yep. of right now. They went into that room where Ray Shafir was and all those books were unusable. That's right. But they do have something that does remain from ancient times. And it's this thing called the Dawn chant that no one has been able to translate, but now they're starting to be able to figure it out. So maybe there's knowledge in the Don chant, this old written language that they were never able to, to, to know. I, it I would feel more secure about it if it wasn't solely from visions. Right. Right. I, I, I really do wish that there was, you know, the hard copies. Right. For sure. Right. Like For this sure. is, this is like, I mean, the visions might as well they be. They do have hard copies you know, of the uh, Don chant. They do have actual written stuff of the Don chant. It's just the visions. They're, 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 they're around. Just no one was ever able to da- the, to to uh, translate them. They didn't know that was a lost language. They didn't know what any of right, it meant. Right. But Dalinar's visions gave them the key to be able to start translating. To, uh, to start them. unlock. Yeah. Right. Okay. And that that seems to the, this whole key component that uh, Navani has also sort of uh, been a key part here. Um, that also reminds me of uh, the um, deciphering of the alien language in uh, the movie Contact. Carl Sagan. Right. right. Yeah, it's, they, it's like that. They find that. Yeah, the they find the one they, thing that allows them to unlock the rest of it. Yeah. To understand the language. And the, yeah, the yeah, process yeah. of them unlocking it is, is taking a while, right? Because there's so much to, to, to translate. So yeah, it's really interesting. Okay. 
Uh, interlude three, The Rhythm of the Lost. Mm-hmm. Such a good well, one. So Venley being the feature here, yeah. which of course I was, I was interested in, but as I said to you when we finished the end of part one, I yeah. thought, well, well, you know, why can't we get Eshenai instead It's of really funny that you said Eshenai, like uh, just recently too, you talked about her. This was, ho- this was horrible. I really should have journaled. I should have been journaling more about my feelings about Oathbringer, mm-hmm. but this, this is the biggest slug in the gut, uh, so far. I mean, Yasna in Words of Radiance, that, w- that was awful. Um, uh, but then you get her back, right? So it's, uh disappearing act if you will yeah um but here this is a bit it's, well it's not a bit it's more it's final yeah it's very final um so i was devastated there is a I really tiny was. little was, thing at the end though yeah i know with the rhythm of the lost and um yeah i i, I get that but it it hurt i have to admit it hurt for sure th- th- this put me in a bad mood i read it yesterday yeah so it put me in a really grumpy mood yesterday. I did speak with Buzz yeah. Kill Joe. And what did uh, you send me yesterday? You sent me uh, Eshenai or something like that. You went. Yeah, I said, I said, no. You're like, oh <laughs> no, Eshenai. Very sad. Yeah. You sounded like Pooley. So tragic. So, well, no, <laughs> there's no cart for me. Like, I'm like, I don't have a, you know, I know. I just, I had dreamed up this whole thing in my mind mm. for, for experiencing Eshenai in the future of this series. I really had wanted that so badly. Well, the um, prologue of the book is Eshenai meeting Gavilar. And we get that POV, yeah. right? So you're like, yeah. you're thinking maybe she'll be in it. Maybe she survived. Yeah. But I don't know what the way she was described. I mean, I, I it seems like the the passing of the torch for my for my hopes for the character, right. which is that which was that Eshenai would be different. Mhm. Okay. It seems like they're suggesting that is now going to blossom within Venley. Yeah. And so I was, of, that was my question for you is, right. are you willing to move some of your hopes that you had for Venley to, or to, from Eshenai to Venley? I'm, I guess in a way forced to. Yes. Yeah, kind reader. of. Yeah. You know, like I'm forced to. But, but are you I, open I, to I, it? Well, that's it. Because I had... Because I had venerated Eshenai as this thing, although she did, she was fighting alien. She was trying to kill him. Right. right. She was. I, I can't forget that. So it's. She brought about I, the I Everstorm, I, which is like the whole thing. I know. So. You I, know. I, I dreamed up Eshenai in my mind differently than I think what Brandon Mr. Sanderson was conjuring himself. I think right? that, I think so that you, our, what our you dreamed up are, in your are, mind. are in conflict here. I think what you dreamed up in your mind is exactly what could have happened for right. Eshenai if she hadn't died. Right. And, and, and also, right. But also, right. If she there hadn't died. There was a path died, to redemption for her and to be part I of the band. So. And, you know, th- 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 well, dude, and, there's and a through looking, line between Eshenai being. I had dream. I had dreamed up all this conflict with her sister too, that it would have right. been such great drama to right. tear apart those two sisters. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I thought where we were headed Yeah, was, was Venley was going to become much more potent. Like that's, that's like a foil. The, and yeah. And I thought we, I thought we would get sister versus sister in the story and, and it would come down to one of the two being a victor. Right. 
it could be, it could have been Venley versus Eshenai. Like that mm-hmm. would have been r- great drama. Yeah. Um, but sorry, I, I interrupted you cause no, I, I was, <laughs> I'm, no, I'm getting okay. way what too I was gonna emotional say was that, and, 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 uh, mm-hmm. what I was going to say was that Sanderson did a really good job of <coughs> really showing us that Eshenai had a lot of the same qualities that we like in Kaladin and Dalinar and Adolin as well. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, um, caring about their people, trying to do the right thing. Like there was a lot mm-hmm. of through lines there between those characters. So, you know, they, he's like, here's the, here's the antagonist and they're a lot like your protagonists. So of right. course he made us want to imagine a world in which she could be part of the band as it were. Yeah. So. But I think that there is some really interesting stuff going on in this interlude. I mm-hmm. think that this is like kind of like an info dumpy interlude because we get a little bit more information oh, yeah. about how the spreads work with yes. listeners. And I really love this. Yeah. Interlude oh, I, oh, I've got to. So because I was, I was upset, especially about the discovery of Esh and I's body mm-hmm. or corpse. Um, this little, oh, I want to, I want to use swear words, but. Go um, ahead, you can. This is a an explicit podcast. I know podcast. I can. You're you're a bad influence on me. <laughs> this Ulim, y- y- Ulim. Oh my God! I just I, so as I was reading this, he became the focus of all of my. I'm <clears> mad and I'm upset. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm yeah. going to throw it all into this right. Ulim thing. Um. Okay. So Venli, the rhythm of the lost. Venli attuned to the rhythm of craving. Oh, and she she attunes very quickly in this. Yeah, and they're Back mostly and to all the new rhythms that right. she can hear no. or that she can feel now that she's storm right. form. Yeah, she needs to, you know, occasionally go back in your old records and just put on a new album, like listen to something different. Listen to something different. Right. Yeah. Right like now go she's back top and 40. Check out it's Dark like, Side okay. of the Moon. It is yeah. as good. <laughs> Venli uh, attunes to the rhythm of craving, climbs down into the chasm. Um, this wondrous new form, storm form, gave her a powerful grip. I do, I like, I, I do have, I like all this kind of stuff though. Mm-hmm. The fact that she's able to bound down in the chasm yeah. with the form, hanging hundreds of feet in the air, yet never fearing that she would fall. I love all this. Yeah. The chitin plating under her skin is less bulky than the old war form. During the summoning of the Everstorm, a human soldier had struck her directly across the face. His spear had cut her cheek and across the bridge of her nose, but the mask of chitin armor underneath had deflected the weapon. Wow. Yeah. So it's so strong that even getting a blow like that, Mm -hmm. it's like. So like war form has the armor on the outside. mm -hmm. Storm form has the armor on the inside. Underneath. Yeah. Yeah. It's getting down into you. It's got, it's got its claws in you. Yeah. 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 It's grip on you. Yeah. 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 Ugh. So she continued to climb down the wall of stone, followed by Demid, her once mate, and a group of her loyal friends. In her mind, she attuned the rhythm of command, similar yet more powerful than the rhythm of appreciation. So it sounds like the ry- rhythm of appreciation was the was an older right, right, and it's much and now, like that one, but it's more forceful. So now it's rhythm of command. Yeah, not these are the not new a, not, rhythms, and you right. can tell whenever she's saying, "Oh, it's like this rhythm," only more sinister. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like every one of her people could hear the rhythms beats with some tones added yet. She no longer heard the old common ones. So that reminded me of the old Venley, right? That, that there's, so there's nothing inside. You're not hearing the old anymore. Right. So that's the Venley that I remember reading about. Right. 
the one, the one I was concerned about. Only these new superior rhythms. Oh, okay. Yeah. They're superior. Right. Eshenai right. was going through the same things too. She was having a hard, harder time yeah. li- hearing the old rhythms as well and only really being, uh, overcome by these new rhythms that she had to like kind of attune to. Beneath her, the chasm opened where water from high storms had carved a bulge. She eventually reached the bottom and the others dropped around her. I, again, I really visualized this very well. Uh, I found in the, in the reading, um, Ulim moved down the stone wall. Ulim, Jesus. The spren usually took the form of rolling lightning moving across surfaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not impressed, Ulim. <laughs> oh, even though you look cool, Your lightningness. Your lightningness. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not interested in this crackling. It's like, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm. It's the, it's the <laughs> you're, red you're lightsaber. Biased. Crack. You're definitely It's biased. the red lightsaber crackle of, uh, of, of uh, what's his name? Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren, Ren yeah. yeah. Not yeah. impressed with your, your cross guard, Kylo. Not impressed with your crackle. <laughs> um, at the bottom, he, he formed from lightning into a human shape with odd eyes. Okay. Ulam settled on a patch of broken branches, arms folded. His long hair rippling in an unseen wind. She wasn't, she, she wasn't certain why a spren sent by Odium himself would look human. Hmm. So she remember, wasn't certain she, why it would look human. Syl would say, they are of him. They are of him. We right. get confirmation here. This is a spren sent by Odium himself. Right. So then Odium must be humanoid as well. Or have a, a likeness to that form. Possibly. Yeah. Around here somewhere, Ulam said, pointing, spread out and search. Yeah, Ulam, I don't like this guy. Venli set her jaw, coming to the, set her jaw, but, but was it, was it a, what was it described earlier? The strong jaw? The sturdy, a sturdy jaw? The sturdy? Yeah. <laughs> set her sturdy jaw. I gotta remember the title of that novel. What was it called again? The, um, oh, we got it, we we gotta hold we on, gotta keep on. that in our in our lexicon. Um, here. That's that's gotta be at ready to go. He says it right here, here. He's at like, the oh, end. Oh, an accountability of virtue. An accountability of virtue. Right. <laughs> cool. We need a T-shirt with that on it. Someone needs to uh, um, do some fan fic-, fic and finish that novel. Take those little mm, excerpts yeah. and like write that. Write the novel. Yeah, oh, Mr. Sanderson should do it. Do it. Be <laughs> It'd great. Be really funny. It's like a special edition. It's one of the secret projects he's coming out with. Yeah, he comes out with 13 novels a year. Just just put that on the list. Um, The Spren, why should I continue to obey? Oh, hang on. Yeah, Venli set her jaw humming to the rhythm of fury. Lines of power rippled up her arms. Why should I continue to obey your orders, Spren? You should obey me. Well, since my anger is directed kind of at Ulam right now. I, I don't mind this, but also this is, um, this is interesting. Um, kind of speaks to about who's in charge here. Right. Is the Spren in charge or is she, Mm -hmm. does she want to dominate the Spren truly? Like, I don't know. It's, it's, um, I've got a lot of questions about the relationship between these two. Yeah. The status between them and stuff. The Spren ignored her stoking, which stoked her anger. Demid, however, placed his hand over on her shoulder and squeezed, humming to the rhythm of satisfaction. Come, look with me this way. 
There was creme buildup that had smoothed over the floor of the chasm, but the storm had left her a great deal of refuse. She attuned to the rhythm of craving, quick and violent rhythm. I should be in charge, Demid, not that spren. You are in charge. Then why haven't we been told anything? Our gods have returned, yet we have barely seen them. We sacrificed greatly for these forms, and to create the glorious true storm. We lost how many? Sometimes she thought about that in strange, strange moments when the new rhythm seemed to retreat. All of her work, meeting with Ulam in secret, guiding her people towards storm form, it had been about saving her people, hadn't it? Yet of the tens of thousands of listeners who had fought to summon the storm, only a fraction remained. Yeah, so she's she's really doubting this whole process. But not all the time. It says that in some strange moments when the new rhythms seem to retreat, does she start thinking like that? So it's like she's Only got these the like new lucid str- moments yeah. where the old Benley is there. Right. Yeah, but that, that doesn't happen all the time, right? So, no, it doesn't. No. And, and we know from Eshenai that the same kind of thing happened with Eshenai. She was very singularly focused on doing the task, yeah. but then sometimes would feel like, but there's something inside of her screaming that this is wrong. Right. Well, there were the screams inside, right? Right. So that's, that's what was written about Eshenai. That's right. how you knew how good she was. Right. That there's something the inside telling her yeah. that she was wrong. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Demid and she had been scholars, yet even scholars had gone to battle. She felt at the wound on her face, yet even scholars had gone to battle. See, what, th- what that says to me is like, okay... Like your, your, your scholars, if you're willing to put your scholars in harm's way, mm-hmm. they're the ones who are learned. Right. But they you're also turned sacrifice... into storm form, right? Everyone turned into right. storm form. So yeah, everyone I know. was needed I'm... for that battle. But I think what, what, what I'm taking from that little line is that, you know, you're willing to sacrifice your best. Mm-hmm. Like knowledge is, is up for, no, I don't need it. Right. I just need raw storm. I need bodies. I don't need you guys to understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, she felt at the wound on her face. Our sacrifice was worthwhile, Demid told her, to the rhythm of derision. Yes, we have lost many, but humans sought our extinction. At least this way, some of our people survived. And now we have great power. Right. And he was right. And if she was being honest... A form of power was what she had always wanted. Yeah, that's the old Venley I remember right. too. Yeah, she did. Absolutely, she did want it. She wanted She this. wanted it to save her people, but she still wanted a form of power. She wanted a form of power, Even though the right. old stories and the old songs told them to stay away from them. Right. And, and I, 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 again, it was under the shadow of her, of her sister, right? Mm-hmm. You were not wrong. You know, Esh and I was this, I don't know, like, I... Oh, I'm just, I'm so missing the, <laughs> the potential drama that I had dreamed up. Mm-hmm. Um, she, and she had achieved one, capturing a spren in the storm within herself. That hadn't been one of Ulam's species, of course. Lesser spren were used for changing forms. She could occasionally feel the pulsing deep within of the one she'd bonded. Okay. So, so I want to. this is huge. Yeah. I want to yeah. talk about this here. Yep. Um. So she's suppressing a bond with the initial spren? Well, the, um, well, it says th- she'd achieved one capturing a spren in the storm within herself, which made her into storm form. 
Right. Okay? So she has a storm and within that, her, right? Yeah. And that hadn't been one of Ulam's species, of course. Yeah. Lesser spren right. were used for changing forms. We know that so, Sil refers to wind spren as lesser spren. And that yes. her pattern, ivory, windle, um, spark yeah. or whatever, um, yeah. um, a gliss for, uh, are uh, high spren. Right. They're the ones with the, the personalities, right? Right. Lesser spren don't. But it seems like listeners can change forms using lesser spren. Right. So when they become nimble form and they come up in all these different forms, even storm form, they're using lesser spren. They get them into their this. gem heart. Right. And then they change forms. Right. But it's not. But Ulim, Ulim is not. And they right. don't use spren like Ulim to change forms. Right. They use lesser spren to change, to change form. Right. So is Ulim a, a true void spren then? I think Still so. Used the I term think, void spren I think to Ulim describe is the... much like the spren we ran into in the Kaladin chapters. The, the ones leading the other yeah. uh, groups. They of, might not uh, be the Roshendi. same coloration, but they're the same type because they were type spren, spren that could speak and give orders. Yes, more intelligent. Right. Yeah, yeah. So yes, void spren. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, in any case, this this transformation had given her great power. The good of her people had always been secondary to Venli. Yeah, that's what I remember too. Right. <laughs> the good of your people was always secondary. Right. Yes, thank you, Brandon. She did Mr. want Sanderson. it, but she wanted the power first. Yeah. Now was a, a late time to be having a bout of conscience. Yeah, I agree. It is late. <laughs> I like, I, I, just, I love this shtick that you're doing. Yeah, every sentence is like, yeah. you know, she resumed humming to Craven. Yeah, you should resume. Yeah, <laughs> I feel I'm. I'm still sad, Sean. I, I, really I dude, I totally I know really, you are. I really, really am. I know. I know you are. She resumed humming to craving. Demid smiled and gripped her shoulder again. I half expected when Demid keeps trying to like you know touch her for comfort that Venley would you know yeah swat the hand it. away. The, uh, yeah, yeah. My once mate. She uh, you're, does like, I don't seem know. to have a soft spot for him. Referring to him as once mate, they'd shared something once during their days in mate form. Those silly, distracting passions were not ones they currently felt, nor were they something that any sane listener would desire, but the memories of them did create a bond. So yeah, there it is. So there is a little like something that. that's held over from their times as, as mates that mm -hmm. is like keeping them close. And I like, th I really yeah. like that too. Dude. It I softens little... her a little bit. I find it softens her. Yes, it does. It softens her. Yes, that's good. Uh, did create a bond. I just had, a, I just had a little thing here. Mm. I like the use of the word bond mm -hmm. to describe this connection, if you will, between, uh, Venley and Demid right. in mate form. Okay. This one's bond. What if, what if you can bond to more than just a spren? Like people? Yeah. What if Adolin could bond with Shallan? Hmm. Or well, like, what if that's kind of happening, right? Um, bridge four has, if you want to use this term bonded, you could say bond, that bridge yeah. four has bonded Bondsmith. with Kaladin and Kaladin. And in turn, they've become what's known as squires. So while he's yeah. around them, they see, they are able to use stormlight. 
I really, I like this little idea. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it is possible. I just don't know if it's the same kind of bond that a surge binder has with, um, their high spren or that a listener has with a lesser spren in changing form. It's a different kind of bond though. You could still use the same, um, terminology and say that bridge four is bonded with Kaladin and that's what allows them to be his squires. Right. They picked through the refuse, passing several fresh human corpses. Good to see those. Good to remember that her people had killed many despite their losses. Right. Yeah, that's what I expected from Venley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if those same sentiments are shared by Adolin and by Dalinar and Navani. Like, are they looking about the battlefield at all of the slain Parshendi and going good? Yeah. This is good. We I'm definitely so know glad. that Kaladin is not like that. I would no. think that I would think that Dalinar is not like that, and Adolin is not like that either. I would the assume Blackthorn that those was. Blackthorn was, but he's no longer that man, right? He's no longer that form. Yeah, he's yeah. no. Yeah, he's no longer that form. Yeah, but yeah. I don't know. Things are changing. What was this thing in the interlude from? Uh, I'm. I forget. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Had the time finally come that his grandfather had warned of? The time of changes. Right. When the men from the hidden island of the origin at last came to reclaim Natanatan. But this time of changes, I like how just those generic words, if you will, those plain words, mm-hmm. you know, go into a list where the time of changes, yeah, the monasteries are no longer quiet. Right. And then we get to, you know, the time of changes like where Dalinar is exper- uh, he's remembering he's he remembers his wife right no things are changing mm-hmm. a lot of things um, are changing a lot of things are changing yeah um darn where were we two intoxicating memories of them did create a bond yeah so mate form between Venli and Demid um they picked through the refuse fresh human corpses yeah good to see those Venli Demid says look He scrambled over a log from a large wooden bridge that was wedged in the center of the chasm. She followed, pleased by her strength. She would probably always remember Demet as the gangly scholar he had been before this change, but she doubted either of them would ever willingly return. Forms of power were simply too intoxicating. Right. There's a part of her that longs to go back to the time when her and Demet were just mere you know, scholars doing work form or nimble form or whatever it is that they'd use for scholarly work. But the forms of power are just too tempting. It's Mm -hmm. too, it's Mm -hmm. too awesome to be strong and fast Mm -hmm. and feel important. Don't, 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 don't forget the, 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 um, fleeting form of alcove form. Right. Which is very, very temporary. Yeah. That's, that's like a, I think you pay by the hour for alcove form. (laughs) Alcoform by the hour. <laughs> it's not quite mate form yet. Mate form is a little more serious. Oh. Alcove alcoform is uh, you know, it's temporary. Yeah. It's it's you know. Okay. Okay. Um once across the log she could see what Demon had spotted. A figure slumped by the wall of the chasm, helmeted, head bowed. A shard blade, shaped like frozen flames, rose from the ground beside her, rammed into the stone floor. Eshenai, finally. Dude, I'm still getting goosebumps mm-hmm. as if I still had my hopes intact right. when I first read it. 
Venley leaped from the top of the log landing near Demid. Eshenai looked exhausted. In fact, she wasn't moving. Eshenai? Venley said, kneeling beside her sister. Are you well? Eshenai? She gripped the plated figure by the shoulders and lightly shook it. The head rolled on its neck, limp. Venley felt cold. Demid solemnly lifted Eshenai's faceplate, revealing dead eyes set in an ashen face. Eshenai, no. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I felt. Ah, Ulim's voice said, Excellent. The spren approached across the stone wall like crackling lightning moving through the stone. Demid, your hand. Demid obediently raised his hand, palm up, and Ulim shot across from the wall to the hand and then formed into his human shape, standing on the perch. Hmm, plate looks completely drained, broken along the back, I see. Well, it's said to regrow on its own, even now that it is separated from its master from so long ago. Separated from its master? So long ago? Hmm. This particular plate that yeah. Eshenai has? I guess the master being the original surge binder who used it. The plate? Venley said softly. Numb. Rem- remember. You, you wanted the plate. We know, we know very little about the plate. We know way more we about the blades yeah. than we know about the plate. Right. Of so. Eshenai's. Or of all shard bearers. Right. That's true. You know what I mean? We know less about the plate. Right. And like where it comes from and what it is and, and all that stuff. Right. So, mm. yeah, it's interesting. You wanted the plate? Venley asks. Well, the blade too, of course. Why else would we be hunting a corpse? You. Oh, you thought she was alive. I imagine him almost being delighted in that. Yeah. Like, oh, you're, you're such a fool. Yeah. Oh, you thought we came here because she was alive and that life matters. Right. Oh, I just hate this creature. When you said we needed to find my sister, I thought, yes. Looks like she drowned in the storm's floodwaters, rammed the sword into the stone, held onto it to stay in place, but couldn't breathe. Again, almost like in delight I can, at, I can her, at her suffering. It. Like oh, I can yeah. picture Eshenai still being alive after yeah. falling down with the, from right. the fight with Adolin, ramming her shard blade into the stone and holding onto it as the chasms filled with water, and then she drowned. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I can't, I, I do, Sean. I'm really upset about this. More, maybe more so than the first disappearance of Yasna. When, I mean, it was shocking right. when Yasna died on the boat. Mm-hmm. That was shocking. But a part of um, you still believed that there was no body. So you still kind of, the whole, that whole book, I worked body, hard to yeah, try to get absence. you to believe that she wasn't alive. And you still, I mean, there was no body. So, but this is a body. This is final. Like you said earlier, this I, is this here with Eshenai, her yeah, body is right this here. This is she, very final. This is yeah, very yeah, final. Yeah. 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 I know it's, uh, and also with, with, with Yasna, I had in the journey of reading, uh, um, words of radiance with you. I, over the course of the book, I had just by the by towards the end of it, I had resolved to let her go, and like, I, said, I said literally no. ten minutes before we read the chapter where she came yeah. back. Yeah, <laughs> and and I and, but it was because it took time for me to get used to the idea mm. that 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 Mr. Sanderson's intention 
mm-hmm. for her was okay that's that's a sacrifice right yasna is a sacrifice of stormlight it's not about her story anymore mm-hmm. her her ward yep. has taken over and her and importance is yeah, the, her importance permeates because everything that shalon does right yeah has this air of of yasna and i mean that wasn't something we made up in our coverage that was that was no, in there it's there yeah yeah and that's why i thought that letting go of yasna made sense right um it took time for me to get there, mm-hmm. but then I was delighted that she, I was delighted. I was, sure. I was very emotional when she came back. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this case, this is final. And again, describing her struggle mm-hmm. and this Ulam, like taking delight. Oh, Venli, you thought we were here to get her. Right. You thought she was alive. Like, oh, yeah. what a little, I, oh, I want to swear so badly. <laughs> I just, oh, hmm. Venli attuned to the rhythm of the lost. Okay. It was one of the old, inferior rhythms. She hadn't been able to find those since transforming, and she had no idea how she happened upon this one. The mournful, solemn tone felt distant to her. Dude, I, I just heard a song. Right. Right? Did, didn't, when you're reading this, you mm-hmm. almost can hear a, an emotional note mm-hmm. being sung or something like, like this. Like a solemn, sad one. I think yeah. her mother used to attune to the rhythm of the lost before. Oh, you know what? I remembered that, but not exactly that the mother had mentioned that, that, uh, that, rhythm. that, um, that rhythm. Yeah. But is that true? I think so. I think in oh, one of those, so cha- cool. in one of those chapters, whenever Eshenai goes to see her mother, she's, yeah. her mother has, um, some kind of, um, mental, um, disability. She's, there's something yeah. happening with yeah, her. We, we talked about that. Yeah. And, um, she, I th- I'm pretty sure she re- attunes to the rhythm of the lost in that uh, mm. interlude. And it's one of the first times we hear about that rhythm. Right. Eshenai, she whispers and nudges the corpse again. Touching the bodies of the fallen was taboo. The old songs spoke of days when humans had hacked apart listener corpses, searching for gem hearts, leaving the dead for peace. Sorry, to peace instead it was it was their way right leave the dead to peace it was their way i like this it was their way mm-hmm. yeah but also gruesome in the old days the old songs humans hacked apart listeners looking for gem hearts yeah because they they have gem hearts similar I to know. um great shells i know it's just the brutality of it all it's yeah. just ugh. Mm-hmm. like what a sordid history what a mess to clean up this yeah, whole for sure world it's just such a mess Venli stared into Eshenai's dead eyes. You were the voice of reason, Venli thought. You were the one who argued with me. You were supposed to keep me grounded. What do I do without you? Well, let's get that played off, kids. Um, the reference to kids here, I thought, was odd. He, he, th- there's another, there's another mention of it before the chapter's done. So let's, yeah, let's save it for, uh, for then. Okay. I, I find that about odd. Ulam being much older than them. Yeah. And just even, even just sort of the, uh, I don't know what, what you call it, the colloquial kind of, you know, like, oh, kids, you hey, know, kids. Like just, it's, it's, it seemed weird to me. Yeah. Um, well, let's get that played off kids. Ulam says, show respect. Venli snaps. Respect for what? It's for the best that this one died. For the best, Venli asks. For the best, she stood confronting the little spren on Demid's outstretched palm. That is my sister. She is one of our greatest warriors. 
an inspiration and a martyr. Ulam rolled his head in an exaggerated way, as if perturbed and bored by the chastisement. Yeah, that's so well written. Mm -hmm. Perturbed and bored. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's just so perfect. It's so good. How dare he? He was merely a spren. He was to be her servant. I find this fascinating that in her, hang on here, because I got to talk to you about this. Yeah. Is she in storm form right now mm-hmm. and thinking that the spren is, how dare he, he was merely a spren. So is storm form diminishing the spren or is she, her in this moment, is she in the old, she's listening to the old, because she, she is, uh, she's attuned to the um, rhythm of the lost. Right. So she's in an older rhythm right now. And she, the old rhythms are communicating that spren are lesser. I, I think that you know she I mean? thinks she assumed that she was going to be in charge and that spren are just what they are. They're spren and they're here to serve us because the rhythm of the lost yeah. is gone. And then she attunes to the rhythm of fury, one of these new rhythms and says, you will not say sh- such things. You are spren. You are to serve. Okay, but rhythm like, of serve fury, me, so, kind of thing. You're supposed to serve us, the listeners. So rhythm of fury sounds like one of the newer rhythms. It totally is. Yes. Okay. Okay. So right? so there you have it. So she's in. She's so in her a mind newer doesn't rhythm. change when she goes to the rhythm of fury. Rhythm of right. loss doesn't have anything to do with her mindset. She really that's does what, think that's that what Sprenar, I was. That's what I was curious mm-hmm. about. I was curious about when you're reducing the spren, which is not present with the others that are interacting with spren. So Kaladin, for instance, is not speaking no. to, to Syl that way. Nope. Uh, Shallan's not speaking to pattern that way. Mm-hmm. This happens here where right. it's like, you're just a, right. Like it's, I, I, unless I'm wrong, it appears to be the first time that spren are written about as being servants right. and, and beneath us. It's, it's funny because she's trying to do to the spren what was done to them as like listeners and, you know, uh, the parchment and all that stuff, right. Used as tools for someone else's betterment. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't think it has anything to do with the rhythm. Okay. Okay. So you will not say such things. You are spren. You're, you are to serve. Oh. Uh, Ulam a little earlier though. How dare he? He was merely a spren. Your sister, Ulam says, didn't undergo the transformation properly. She resisted and we'd have eventually lost her. She was never dedicated to our cause. Hmm. Interesting. So that, this is... That he picked up on that in Eshenai that even though she... Again, Eshenai was like flirting with this storm She was like form. 85%. She well, she had enough strength and resolve. It's like, it's like when Luke Skywalker went to the dark side in uh, dark, dark Empire, Empire right. comic series, right. right? Like he, he went... He did. He, he go did dark. go that far. Right. He was he using the dark fully. side. Right. Yeah. Well, and also even in Return of the Jedi, he, I think he used the dark side to beat, to beat his father in the yeah. battle, in that duel. I think so too. Um, I think that this is definitely leaves open the possibility that you said before that, you know, she was able to let through the dude and her mom and those people right. go. go. And that's yeah. the little part of her that allowed that to happen because yes. she didn't fully let herself be swayed by all right. of it. So. Oh, this is giving me goosebumps. Just how, again, it reminds me how interesting and strong Eshenai was. 
it's it's really makes all of these characters, these little side characters, very interesting. It makes it's giving oh, us yeah. a little bit of look into what's going on sociopolitically between the listeners, the parsh- parshmen, and these yeah. new spren, and how what they're dealing with, right? Um, she she will not. Yeah, you are a spren. Uh, you are to serve, and I do. He right. says, I do serve. Right. Then you must obey me. You. Ulam laughed. Child, how long have you been fighting your little war against the humans? Three, four years, six years, Spren. Ooh, I like that too. Mm-hmm. Any little punches back to Ulam on this salt in yeah. this text, I'll take it. She reduces him to just a Spren. Right. Yeah, I'll take that. Good for you, Venli. Um, six long bloody years, she says. Well, do you want to guess how long we've been fighting this war? Go ahead. Guess. I'm waiting. Venli seethed. It doesn't matter. Oh, but it does, Ulim says, his red figure electrifying. Right. Do you know how to lead armies, Venli? True armies. And supply troops across the battlefront that spans hundreds of miles. Do you have memories and experiences that span eons? She glared at him. Our leaders, Ulim said, know exactly what they're doing. Them, I obey. But I am the one who escaped, the spren of redemption. I don't have to listen to you. So, so he obeys, but he obeys others. Right. Not. And he's claiming that he, you might be part of this war for six years, but we've been part of it for eons. Right. What like, does that mean? Do you know how to lead armies, true armies, supply troops across a battlefield that spans hundreds of miles? Do you right. have memories and experiences that span eons? Yeah. He's, Ulam is saying he does. I know. It's some eternal war. It's, it, 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 uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I whereas don't know the, whereas the spren that, that our surge binders are, are, are bonding with, they don't know much. They're They're learning about the world. Yeah. They don't remember what happened back then because the spreads that were connected to surge binders back then all died when the surge binders broke their oath. Broke their oaths. Right. right. So there are no spren that exist from back then on one side. But it sounds right, like there the are spren the others that are remember. back now. And what's our theme for this book? Memories. Memories, right? Memories. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's really interesting. It is interesting. I'm, but I am the one who escaped. Right. Oh, Ulam is the one who escaped. Right. The spren of redemption. He's on a mission to redeem himself. I guess. Uh, Venley says, I will be a queen. And she says it to the rhythm of spite. Right. If you survive, maybe. But your sister? She and the others sent that assassin to kill the human king, specifically to keep us from from returning. Your people are traitors. Though your personal efforts do you justice, Venley. You may be blessed further if you live, sorry, if you are wise. Regardless, get that armor off your sister, shed your tears, and get ready to climb back up. 
These plateaus are crawling with men who stink of honor. Oh, man, do I ever love that. Yeah. Stink of honor? Mm -hmm. I love it. Mm -hmm. Because this is a spread of odium. Right. Stink of honor. I've got no, no, no need for honor. Yeah. It's the concept, the idea. It's so great. Unnecessary. Yeah, it's awesome. We must be away and see what your ancestors need us to do. Our ancestors, Demid said, what do the dead have to do with this? Everything. Mm-hmm. Ulam replies, I love that response too. Yeah. Seeing as they're the ones in charge. The dead are the ones in charge. Care, care to elaborate, Ulam? Um, not <laughs> Would yet. Would you like to elucidate? Not quite yet. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, everything, he says, seeing as they're the ones in charge. Armor. Now. And he zipped to the wall as a tiny streak of lightning and it moved off. Damn. What an amazing thing to say. The dead, they're the ones in charge. Yeah. Dude. Well, he didn't say the dead. What? He said their yeah. ancestors. Yeah, their ancestors. Well, are they, are the ancestors not dead? It's a, a little bit of a distinction there. Oh. A, a distinction between the dead and the ancestors? Do you have memories and experiences that span eons? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Venli attuned to derision at the way she'd been treated and then defying taboos helped Demid remove the shard blade. Ulam returned with the others and ordered them to gather up the armor. They hiked off, leaving Venli to bring the blade. She lifted it from the stone, then lingered, regarding her sister's corpse, which lay there in the padded underclothing. Venli felt something stir inside of her. Again, distantly, she was able to hear the rhythm of the lost, mournful, slow, and with separated beats. I, Venli says, finally, I don't have to listen to you call me a fool. I don't have to worry about you getting in the way. I can do what I want. And that terrified her. Mm -hmm. She turned to go, but paused as she saw something. What was that small spren that had crept out from beneath Eshenai's corpse? It looked like a small ball of white fire. It gave off little rings of light and trailed a streak behind it like a comet. What are you? Fenley demanded to spite. Shoo. She hiked off, leaving her sister's corpse there at the bottom of the chasm, stripped and alone. So she, she um, attunes to, uh, so after he leaves, what is it now? Derision. Mm-hmm. So she attunes to derision and then takes this armor off her. You know, I, I so wanted when he says, you know, he says, um, take the armor, right? The armor now. Now, I wish that her response was, you, you do it. Right. And that she, it was a bit of that interview with the vampire thing between, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, oh, what's her name? Oh, what's the character's name? Claudia. Damn it. Claudia. Claudia and Lestat. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it seems like Ulim has the better of Venli at this moment because she's taking this armor and sword from her dead sister's body, leaving her sister's body here mm-hmm. in a chasm. Mm-hmm. And to the point where Venli... Venlia is saying this to her sister. Yeah. Her sister's memory. Finally, I don't have to listen to you call me a fool. 
That's yeah. to Eshenai, isn't it? It's it that's is not to Ulim. It's to to Eshenai, yeah. But I think but that it also equally could be translated to Ulim. Ulim is calling her a fool. Oh, you thought you were yeah. we were here to get your sister. I don't have to worry about you getting in the way. I can do what I want. Right. And that terrified See, her because she right. doesn't have Eshenai there to help her, to rein her in, to be the voice of reason, to do all the things that right. she was, right? Right. So I think that it's kind of like she's saying that, but she's also like regretting that these things are probably going to come true because I don't have you there to back me up. Right. My question she to you is though, how much, well, what is this spren at the end? Oh God, the comet? I don't know. A soul spren? We, we, a the, spirit? the spren that entered Eshenai's body to make her into storm form was not this. Was a lesser, sp- it didn't, right. a lesser spren that did not look like, like what this was. It was similar to the red lightning kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, kind of, it? yeah. It was a yeah, l- so red, similar red to Ulim, yeah. but not quite. Right. But a lesser A lesser spren. version of an Ulim, yeah. Right. So, and more than likely that's, that spren is gone right. or has it been trans transformed? Maybe uh, it could know. be already gone, but obviously there's this other thing, this other little spren that hung out and do we know what this is? Probably not. Like we don't know what this little spren is, but it's, it's curious. There have been moments in this series where there have been spren that people who see them have no idea what they are. And they have no idea, right. like they don't have names for them. They don't have, yeah. it's just these spren that kind of appear that are like, wow, I've never seen something like that before. So yeah, mm-hmm. I just, something to, something to remember. It's cool. Do you, can I ask you this? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess you can't answer. Uh, I was going to ask you, do you know what it is? Um, Given your knowledge to the end of. I can't uh, say that whether I know. I, uh, okay. Uh, I okay. can't say that. Okay. Um, well, my guess would be uh, potentially it's a, it's a soul spren. Um, it seems like it was bonded to her. Yeah, because it seemed like way. it came out of her. And the is it rem, and, and does it remain with the body? That's what I that's what I wonder. Is it going to remain there? Or what was that? A small spren that crept out from beneath Eshenai's corpse. So it didn't say it yeah. came out of her body, but that it crept from underneath it. It could have come out of right. it from the like the other side that we didn't see. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Little, yeah. little rings of light streaking behind it like a comet. It's one of those things that we'll have to just keep, keep track of the description keep, and see if it comes yeah, up Yeah, kicking again. down the road. Yeah. Well, I mean, these are amazing interludes. Uh, really great. Um, just devastating for me in terms of Esh and I, but that's okay. Highlight for me for right. this little interlude is um, we get a POV of one of the Parshendi that's not Esh and I. We get a Venli POV. We kind of get to understand her a little bit better. Um, yeah. Even though she really is exactly who we thought she was before. Do you know right. what I mean? Like with a yeah. little bit, maybe a little bit of regret. So I really like that. I yes. think it's really cool. My my highlight for that, um, it's it's certainly not going to be that uh, Eshenai is gone or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, my highlight is going to be uh, Ulam. Yeah, I think he was really well. Right? Yeah, I thought that his uh, responses to Venli were just really well written. Um, he was, he was uh, lovely for me to distate to have a you know to hate yeah, basically. To, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 
Cool. Well, okay. um, I guess that's time to uh, do a quick info dump. Um, info dump. Thank you very much to Buzzkill Joe for doing the research on the info dump. Uh, we mm. really appreciate you, buddy. Um, so first, uh, Pooley is the keeper of the Lighthouse Defiance. That's not what people call it. That's just what he calls it. Mm-hmm. He is a natin. He has blue skin. And he th- seems to think the Stormfather is Kalek, which could possibly be... Um, Another change in how different cultures around Roshar believe differently about certain heralds. We, we've had this right. experience in Azir, yeah. in Irali, and all this stuff. So they have different names, right. different versions of the same story, which is really cool. Um, uh, uh, he has here that um, Natans are actually distinct, but maybe related to the Amians, which is one of uh, the um, the races that are on Roshar that Axis the Collector is part of. So mm. they both have blue skin, but they are not the same people, but they might be related, mm. much like um, the Azir and the Imuli are from the same Makabaki region. They're different peoples, yeah. but could be related somewhere far back in Roshar's history, which is really, right. really cool. Um, some uh, examples of uh, Natan names are Sakin, Aulam, Hamadak, and the Drummer Brothers. The Drummer Brothers sounds like <laughs> they may have been a uh, team of directors that created a bunch of hilarious movies at the end of the 90s, the beginning of the 2000s, the Drummer <laughs> Brothers. Um the Everstorm uh, is obviously part of this whole thing here. I uh, just wanted to bring up that um, an example of the storm targeting something on purpose. Um, uh, the ship had been rocked in the cove, struck by lightning, and then smashed against the stones. It sounds like the it really kind of feels like the Everstorm really attacked that ship, which is really funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, the uh, fishers don't sleep away. Uh, don't sleep away the weeping like lazy farmers right. do. So these far, these fishermen uh, literally work the entire time. So that's uh, during Uli, uh, during Pulis, during uh, Alista's inter, uh, interlude. Um, she is an ardent at the uh, with the divatory of the mind in a place called uh, what did we what was it called again? Yokasha, Yokasha Monastery. Monastery, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, we meet Irv, which is another gangly looking ardent um he is um sil nelson uh he's from sil nelson which is a city in the southwest of yakoved yeah yeah so we got other ardents like benthal and fiskin mentioned here she's reading that accountability of virtues which is the uh, the book (laughs) um, which is hilarious um another book mentioned in here is yasna's relic and monument which is really awesome um, and then another little part here is the Kovad fragment, which is seemingly a, um, ancient text that everyone thought was written in Don Chant, but was not. Um, so it's, um, it, it's making it seem like there are layers here to the scholarly work that people are discovering and then also realizing that stuff that they used to know is turning out to not be true. Mm. Um, it seems like master scholars get these special caps they get to wear, which is really funny. Um, there is also a mention of like a dehumidifier fabrile in here. Um, <laughs> yes, that's right. Which is really funny. <laughs> um, makes things a little easier on the paper maybe that they're mm, like they're reading yes, and stuff. So yeah, yeah. It does. Yeah. anyways, yeah, that's the, um, uh, oh, that's the, for Alistra. And then the last, the um, Lystra. yeah, the last part here is we meet Ulim. He is the spren that uh, took uh. a form of rolling lightning. 
Um, mm-hmm. Some of the new rhythms that are mentioned in here. Um, craving, command, fury, satisfaction, derision, and spite. Um, mm-hmm. Storm form obviously gives her a powerful grip. The plating underneath the skin. She's stronger and faster than she once was. Demid is her mm-hmm. once mate. Um, yep. And then um, there is a thing here with a small spren. I will read this again. Um, a small spren that had yeah. crept out from beneath Eshenai's corpse looked like a small ball of white fire. It gave off mm-hmm. little rings of light and trailed a streak behind it like a comet. So something that we will keep track of as we move forward to see if we see any more of these. So yeah, uh, thanks a lot to Buzzkill Joe for giving us the info that we needed to dump on you all. Um, we normally <laughs> go through and read a long list of names. We're not going to do that today, um, mainly because I have kids downstairs that need daddy time. So um, we were going to say that th- we want to thank everyone for listening to the show, uh, whether you're mm-hmm. part of the Patreon team or not. We really love seeing those numbers come in of everyone listening and the interactions on on Reddit and on Twitter and Facebook and and on Instagram. We really appreciate it. Um, we love the uh, we love the discussions that happen, not just about the show, but that the show creates amongst you all about the books, which is exactly why we're doing it. So um, if you do want to be part of the Patreon team, you can go to patreon.com slash heroes of. You can get a Discord link there and join in the uh, Discord discussions that are happening. Um, all kinds of fun things on there. Um, if you want to reach out to us, you could do so at heroesofacather at gmail.com. You can reach out to us on Twitter at Heroes of One. You can find us on Instagram at the Storm Pod, or make sure to join up on the uh, subreddit at the Storm Pod or the Facebook page of Storm Pod. So, um, all those deets are there in the show notes. If you uh, didn't uh, or weren't able to write down or don't want to rewind what I just said, anyways, thanks everyone for listening to the episode. It's a little bit of a shorter one. Uh, it's actually a two-hour pod. Holy shit! There you go, <laughs> man. We talk a lot. Um, yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> thank you everyone for listening. We love you very much. Till next time. Take care, everybody. The Storm Pod is brought to you by Heroes of. Music and theme song by Jack Forrest Productions. Additional music by Jason Moray. Produced by our wonderful Patreon team and the Heroes of Akathra. And again, please. One, two, three, four. I declare a thumb war. (laughs) Tracy specifically asked me to do that at our next recording. (laughs) I declare a thumb war. I was editing and out in the kitchen and she could hear you going one, two, three, four. And then she went, I declare a thumb war. She's like, have you ever done that to him whenever (laughs) you guys were recording? I'm like, no, I don't think I've ever done that. She's like, it's a super missed opportunity, bro. (laughs) That's how, that's how the listeners and the, uh, and the, um, Alethi are going to settle matters on the shattered planes. Thumb wars, thumb war duels. I declare a thumb war with you. Yeah. Adolin colon. And he's like, that's my calling is thumb war dueling. Thumb form. Yeah. Thumb or thumb stance. <laughs> thumb stance. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Hold on. I, I, this is all before the intro here. I'm going to have to cut this out. <laughs> so like a blooper yeah, or something. Yeah. Okay. Um,